Okay, I'm finally perfect. You know, y'all already know what it is. And if you don't, then the great many fresh We're coming at you a little bit early, or at least hopefully that's the case this week. Uh, once before we start, apologies on uploading the wrong podcast uh, for the post Kent State game. Uh, it got taken care of. Some of you had to delete it, re-download the file. That's our bad, but uh, it's up there if you want to check it out. We're focused on Illinois, and Illinois means Friday night game. Uh, it's going to be something different, at least. I mean, 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, 8 p.m. Central, so 8 p.m. local start time. So Penn State changing things up, going up with the Friday game. I guess that's it, at Illinois' request. What does it change? We'll talk about that in a little bit. This is the Lions 24-7 podcast. I'm joined by Tyler Donahue via Skype uh, because of germs in my house. I apologize, Tyler. He's got some things to do this weekend, so I'm actually headed to Champaign on Friday. Um, so, yeah, just a ton of things, changing routine, and, and Penn State has had to change their routine this, this week as well yeah and full disclaimer changing my routine because i'm officiating a wedding for the first time on saturday so it is a week of uh, transition for all of us and uh when i look at this penn state team as it gets in the big 10 play sean we've talked about it they've had moments here in the last six quarters especially where they have looked the part of a top 10 program whereas illinois boy do they need some kind of signature win badly in this lovey smith era we'll talk about it in a moment they could be getting a nice influx of talent in just in time for this game but uh, obviously, Penn State, for good reason, a favorite once again by a large margin heading into a week four matchup. So he does recruiting, he does team stuff, and he also can officiate your wedding. So you can hit <laughs> him up on Twitter at, TD, at TD's Take, and you, you, you never know. It, it doesn't hurt to ask. So uh, best of luck to him this weekend. Uh, yes, but Penn State changing things up. No Monday off this week. They're going to travel to Illinois on Thursday, probably traveling as we speak on uh, early Thursday afternoon, and going to sit around all day like it's a night game. Like a typical night game, but they're going to sit around in Illinois, um, you know, go through meetings and all that kind of stuff at the hotel, and then it's a little bit late of a start. So it will be interesting to see how they handle it. You know, Penn State, as we talked about this before, has started very strong on offense, scoring on their first drive pretty much, I think it is every game, and then sort of gone into a lull. So we'll see how that changes or if that changes. Obviously, they want to get that fixed before next week when Ohio State comes to town. But uh, I think the funniest thing about this is, is there's a column uh, earlier on Thursday talking about James Franklin does not get the appeal of the Friday night games and he is wrong because of it. And that just is hysterical coming from the, you know, it's the Illinois uh, side of it. And I understand that Illinois is going to get more of a, a national stage. Of course, um, it, it's different for the lower tier teams in the Big Ten. You don't want to see Ohio State playing on Friday night. Michigan doesn't want to play on Friday night. Penn State, I don't think, wants to play on Friday night. They've compromised and gone with this. It's just, it's a whole different directive if you're if you're Penn State and Illinois, and I'm not sure how you, you can't see that. I believe the quote from that column was, what is good for Rutgers in Indiana is also good for Ohio State and Michigan. Now, I'll do respect to the writer. Felt like he needed to put it out there. I completely disagree. Uh, you know, there are haves and have nots, and, and there's certain times when they come together in matchups like this where it does benefit one more one side more than the other. Uh, I mean, look, there's such a big difference when you think about what Penn State did last weekend in preparation for week three against Kent State. You know, they got together at the team hotel on Friday in in their hometown, played on Saturday, moved on with their weekend. This time they're they're having to rearrange classes. You know, these are students. We have to remember that as well. It's a school week. They're they're cutting out on Thursday, uh, heading to Champaign. 
uh, Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time. It, it's a weird scenario. You know, Franklin talked about it more last week. He tried to put the focus on the game, on schematics, on Lovey Smith, on Illinois players this week leading up to the actual game. Um, but I, I do think there is something to be said where, where Franklin does voice some frustration about this, just like he voiced some frustration about the travel rosters with the redshirt rule. When there's a guy of, of, of Franklin's stature and there's only a few coaches like this in every, confi- uh, every conference, when they say stuff out loud, it tends to stick to the wall a little bit more and get some more attention from these Big Ten conference officials. In my opinion, I'm sure they'll never say that publicly. So Franklin said his piece, and he's kind of done his best to keep everything on track and get into that 1-0 mantra once again this week. Yeah, absolutely. And I understand the Friday night games. To me, Friday nights are for high school, and I think that's pretty much for everybody. You, you know, you've covered high school football, and, and I think that's you know sort of going across the country. That's the way to go. But you know, if you need some sort of elevated stage, Illinois could use it. Indiana could use it. Of course, Rutgers and Maryland, you know, just the, those teams can certainly use it. We saw Purdue. I mean, Purdue has still hasn't won a game, but they have turned a lot of heads early in the season with their offense and Rondale Moore and all that kind of stuff. So it does help, but Penn State doesn't need that stage. Ohio State doesn't need that stage. Michigan doesn't need that stage. And if, you know, it, it is what it is. These are the teams that are going to bring you a championship if you're the big 10 these are the teams that are going to make the playoffs so you know play by their rules i don't have a problem with that yeah and, and lovey smith speaking at his press conference earlier this week meeting with the media you know he was very open about the fact that this is an opportunity for his illinois team a team that is seven and 20 since he arrived the team that was winless in the big 10 last year it's a chance for them to deliver some kind of statement i don't even think a win is necessary i think if they take it into the fourth quarter and and challenge penn state in, in a few regards that would be a nice you know moral victory and you hate the term but they could use even that at this point and lovey smith knows that and we say every week you know james franklin considers it the super bowl i think for illinois i mean this really is kind of that moment that they should get a little like, amped up for because they've got some attention uh you know there's going to be recruits watching them who probably otherwise wouldn't be watching illinois football um and this is a moment for them to to try to seize that spotlight but quite frankly this is a game that could turn on them quickly and it could turn into another embarrassing moment for the illinois football program probably more easily than it could into a positive uh, development yeah absolutely uh illinois has gone from bad to slightly less bad i mean uh, the, the record's two and one they got by with a seven point win over kent state they played south florida tough at home which you know not a pro- not a lot of people probably expected um so so there's some steps in the right direction there's some players heading to champagne especially in the class of 2019 that you know, they're starting to turn heads and you know that's good for that direction and you know it, i don't know whether they're whether or not they're going to get back to where they were in the last decade or anything like that but certainly steps forward and you see that um you know what you've got with this illinois team you've got an an offense that's going to run the ball probably two to one i mean it's they're going to try not to throw the ball and you've got an undisciplined defense that has gained or been outgained and and given up a ton on both sides or excuse me a ton in the run and and in the pass um but they're looking to get some help this week uh illinois going to have potentially up to five players return, injuries, suspensions, a couple of starters, Bennett Williams and, and Nate Hobbs in the defensive backfield, Lou Dorsey is a tight end, and A.J. Bush could be back. Um, he's he's kind of their Woody Barrett. I mean, he's their quarterback that can't throw, but he can do a lot of things on the ground and, and, and really um, you know move that offense a little bit further than it probably should should go. And all three of those starters who could be returning against Penn State from last year, uh, they were part of that major youth movement. I want to, you want to talk about a team hitting the reboot button? That's exactly what Lovey Smith did last year. 87 cumulative starts for freshmen, Sean, yeah. in 2017. 
The program's high mark before that was set in 1977. It was 34 cumulative starts for freshmen. So it was pretty much unprecedented in a lot of ways through these kids across the coals, hoping that they would surface as sophomores prepared. These are three of the big-time players for them. You mentioned uh, the, the tight end, Dorsey, you know, almost 400 receiving yards last year, three touchdowns, uh, and two of your starting defensive backs. Uh, I mean, it, it, those are really key players, I think. And I think Nate Hobbs, Bennett Williams in that defensive backfield, I mean, I think they can get torched either way against this Penn State offense, but those guys can maybe help stabilize. I don't know if there's going to be some rust involved since they haven't played in the game since 2017. Uh, but at the very least, if there's a reason why you think this team might be better than where it was last year, it's because, let's face it, those freshmen were, were you know, running run around on skates this year. They should have more solid footing heading into Big Ten play, but... Uh, this is a team that kind of reeks of desperation heading into to Lovey Smith's third schedule in conference action. Well, I think you have to credit Lovey Smith too. He, he he dedicated himself to taking those lumps. He knew it was going to result in losses, and they turned around and um, you know got a couple of wins early this season, and you know played South Florida tough as we mentioned earlier, which is you know fairly surprising. South Florida is a quality team. You know, it's, it's we're not talking that they're on on the level of some of these other programs, but I mean, to uh, will will Illinois win in the Big Ten? Probably not much, but the Big Ten West gives them an opportunity to do so. Um, you look at that offense. I mentioned the running game, 243 rush yards per game. That's kind of misleading. I mean, they've been running the ball heavily, 5.1 yards per carry, uh, 2-1 to one run to pass. They ran 49 times for 279 yards against Kent State in Week 1. Uh, Penn State ran for 297 on 45, so a little bit more successful for the Nittany Lions. Uh, A.J. Bush, I, we talked about him a little bit, and you know, I'm not caught up on whether – I think they're they're expecting him back this week or next week or something like that. I'm not sure where that stands as we record, but he's their guy. I mean, he had 21 carries for 139 yards against Kent State. Uh, as we mentioned, not really a great thrower, but uh, you know he gives you that option where where you have to account for his legs on every play. Uh, offensively, not great at staying on the field. 15 of 46 on third downs this season, and they they really lack a big play threat. The longest play this year for Illinois, 44 yards, and you think about what Penn State's been able to do. I mean, that's a typical chunk play for Penn State, and they've had a few of them in each game. We hear Franklin reference explosive plays almost immediately after every game, and you would imagine that is going to be skewed very much in the favor of the Nittany Lions based on the track record of both these programs. Um, you know, if they have to go with MJ Rivers at quarterback, who was the guy last week and, and for the second half um, and in week two, um, you know, he's a true freshman. You know, he's a true freshman. He was a three-star recruit last year. And it's a tall task to ask him to go up against a Penn State defense that we think is starting to find its way a little bit more every week. Uh, and I think with this Illinois team as well, um, you know, you talk about that run game. How much will they be able to lean on that? Because you'd imagine they'd love to be able to do that early and often. A few defensive stops for Penn State. You saw when they got some separation from Pitt how things really turned for the Panthers there in week two at Pittsburgh. Uh, I think something very similar could happen. If Illinois loses its grip on its ability to run the ball and the cushion gets too wide, we could see Penn State really have some opportunities to, to make a lot of noise on defense, chasing after the quarterback, coming up with turnovers, and it could get ugly. Yeah, absolutely. And I sort of liken it to the pit game a little bit. Obviously, the weather going to be quite different, but you, you got to make these guys throw. You got to make Bush throw if he's in there. Rivers, if he's in there, it's the same. I mean, should probably just, I just have it written down here, should probably just make them throw. I mean, Illinois is going to try and run the ball into the ground, and, and you've got to 
essentially stack the box. I think we see a lot of base this week. I think we see a lot of Jan Johnson, Ellis Brooks, maybe Jesse Luketta as well. Um, but uh, it's it's going to be one of those things where they're just going to keep grinding at it. And, and if they get behind, they're in trouble because the, the throwing the ball, especially without Mike Dudek, throwing the ball is, is going to be a real challenge for them. Yeah, and Mike Dudek, I mean, that's kind of a, a ghost uh, from from Penn State's past in the James Franklin era. I think he had, what, 11 catches for 100-plus yards in that game that Illinois won in 2014. And it's remarkable to see how far the Penn State program has come from that point. It was James Franklin's first year, second-to-last regular season game. It was their fifth loss in seven weeks. Had a chance, Sean, to, to speak with a few guys who were on that 2014 Penn State team uh, this week. Uh, DeAndre Tompkins, Mark Allen, Nick Scott. Um, even them, just you can see as they're processing where this program is in 2018 versus their last trip to Champaign, how remarkable uh, that journey has been. Oh, it's amazing. And, and that 2014 game, I actually moved into my house that day. I still actually ha- haven't seen the entire game, but it was so ugly that I never wanted to turn it on. So you think about where, where Penn State stands in 2018 versus where they stand right – or excuse me, in 2014 versus where they stand right now. Man, that's crazy. That's crazy to think about. So, um, you know, credit to the, the coaching staff and the players there. And it's just a long way removed from the, from that era. Um, defensively, Illinois has given up six touchdown passes in three games. They've been outgained 1,440 yards to 1,225 yards. And when you're two and one, especially with a win over a team like Western Illinois, you should probably be on the top of that uh, on the top of that comparison. Yeah, and you've got Blake Barnett, who really you know played extremely well against this team late in the game last week. He's South Florida's quarterback, former Arizona State quarterback, former Alabama quarterback. He's just getting used to get, uh, playing in college action again. Meanwhile, you got Trace McSorley, like who is just yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Trace McSorley, I mean, this guy, yeah, he's a machine. You know what to expect from him. He doesn't have many outlier games when it goes in the wrong direction. In fact, I can't really recall one in the past couple seasons. Uh, So you think that this is another opportunity for McSorley to to see that passing game, take a step forward. I don't think there's any doubt that they did that against Kent State. And going back to that South Florida game, by the way, this defense has to feel pretty disheartened. The entire Illinois team has to feel pretty disheartened. They were up 19-7. to going into the fourth quarter against South Florida, an opportunity to exceed their 2017 win total through three weeks. Didn't happen. Uh, they, you know, and a couple of weeks before that, they were down 17-3 to three against that Kent State team at halftime. So there have been some very dicey moments for a 2-1 team. And they started 2-0 last year, Sean. They finished 2-10. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, <laughs> this is a team that knows how to lose. And they can, they can snatch uh, defeat out of the jaws of victory, unlike uh, many teams in the Big Ten. Um, but it's, uh, it, I think it's a very undisciplined team. And I don't think that's a, a, a reflection on the coaching staff or anything like that. You've got a lot of youth out there. You've got a lot of guys run, overrunning. They've got some athletes. I mean, Illinois can, can, can match up at some spots. They've got seven or four, seven takeaways in three games, which is good. They've got six picks, and they're going to add back to that defensive backfield. So the opportunity is there, but Trace McSorley doesn't turn it over a bunch. Penn State, you know, has had or had some fumbles in the pick game, but doesn't turn it over as much either. Um, so it, I think it really strongly plays into Penn State's hands. And and we're going to get into talking about what Penn State needs to do. And uh, they, they really just need to control themselves and control the atmosphere. I mean, you, you can't come out flat. You can't look ahead to Ohio State next weekend by the way Nick Bosa you know Urban Meyer just admitted that he had surgery on his core I mean curious to see if he makes it to the game next week but um, at the same time I mean it's uh, you can't look ahead to that next game and you can't really get caught up in the Friday night hype of, uh, of it 
expecting to be a flat game. And we expect it to be a flat game. Champagne's not a great place to play uh, a night game or any other game for that matter in terms of atmosphere. They're more looking forward to basketball season there. So you really have to control the atmosphere. Um, you know, it, it, it parlay a first score drive, which we probably know that they're going to do into a second score drive, which they haven't been able to do so far this year. Yeah, a 14 nothing lead in the first quarter sounds basically like all she wrote in a situation like this if Penn State can get there. Um, I will say, you know, I think if Penn State was coming off three consecutive blowout victories instead of two consecutive blowout victories, I think the door would be open a little bit more for a letdown game. Um, but they already had the scariest of early season scares going to overtime against App State. And again, I think when all is said and done, we may look at App State as the best team they played through these first three weeks. Very good chance of that happening. I already, um, I already say that. Yeah. <laughs> you're already there. So, yeah, um, you know, I think moving ahead, though, there's no excuses for them not to be, you know, the Friday night setting. Look, Illinois is dealing with the same thing. Penn State players, coaches have pushed that aside in terms of talking about it. Their business as usual with that approach. And I think, uh, you know, this is a situation, especially for me, looking at the offensive line, definitely have looked improved through three weeks. This is a chance for them to say they'll be bullies in Big Ten action because that's something they've wanted. They wanted a nastiness. They've wanted that bully mentality up front on this offense uh, to, to complement all these outstanding skill players they have in different spots. And this will be a nice time to assert that kind of mentality, especially with a, a major matchup looming large next week. Yeah, I talked to Ryan Bates after the game the other day, and, and he feels that they're finally you know just imposing their will. Ryan Bates, I think, is having probably an all-Big Ten year. If he keeps it up, he's having a phenomenal season. Steven Gonzalez has been good as well. Um, a little bit of work to do on the right side of that line, and Michael Mennett as well. But I mean, this is this is turning into a pretty solid to to, to decent offensive line. And you know, we talked about that coming into the season. You, you if you can keep Trace uh, keep Trace alive, he can make plays and, and and keep your offense on the field. And we've seen with the with, with the weapons he have, like KJ Hamler getting him downfield and, and shaking shaking him loose. The tight ends have been better than expected. DeAndre Tompkins broke out last week. That final piece. Juwan Johnson, and we talked about it, I think, every week. He's got to be the guy. Yeah, Juwan Johnson still has that spotlight on him. Um, you know, DeAndre Tompkins busting out in a big way was huge. I think we're seeing that depth, that wide receiver. Uh, you know, they can pluck pretty far down the, the, the roster and grab somebody who can do damage against any defense they face. You you can kind of count on that. Uh, but, yeah, Juwan Johnson needs to be a catalyst kind of figure. And I think, you know, if if, if he has another game where even if the offense has fireworks, if, if it's a one-catch-for-eight-yard game or another no-catch game or one where he maybe makes a few catches but doesn't really look dominant doing so, People are going to continue to, to ask questions about where his head's at, and, and it's going to surface again. So I think for him, the best thing would be to make a statement, move on, uh, and buy himself some time, put himself in the good graces of Penn State fans. Not that they're listening in the locker room, I'm sure, to what Penn State fans are, are complaining about. Uh, but let's just say I'm sure he's aware that there are some concerns about where his mentality is. Yeah, he should just go out and have a great game. I mean, it's that simple. So yeah, we should be coaches here. But uh, you know, I think I think you look at the focus here defensively. You know, Illinois is going to try to run. You know, Penn, App State had some success running against Penn State. Pitt, of course, in the first half had some success. They changed some things up. Kevin Givens is there. That makes a difference, no doubt about it. But still a lot of pressure on these linebackers. I think we're going to continue to see uh, free rotations with these linebackers. You're going to probably start – I mean, you're going to start the game with the three guys that have been starting in Brown, Farmer, and Johnson. And you're going to see a lot of Parsons. I think you're going to see a little bit more Ellis Brooks. We're, we're going to see what uh, – 
what kind of adjustments they can make with Ohio State looming. Because, I, I, like I said, I don't think Penn State's going to play a lot of 3-4 base against Ohio State. But you still got to see what you have with Jan Johnson. Is he you know athletic enough to be out on that field next weekend? So maybe give him a little bit longer of a leash this week and, and, and still at the same time get some some series for Ellis Brooks. So curious to see how that plays out. Of course, the, the, the travel roster changes. I think I said 77 on the last episode. I apologize. It was 74 is, is what they upped it to. Um, so that will – that will cut down on the number of guys that you can just throw in there and throw for reps. But you look at those guys, uh, Ellis Brooks is playing special teams. Jesse Luchetta is playing special teams. Jarvis Miller is playing special teams. So really doesn't impact the linebackers all that much. It impacts some other spots, and we'll get to that in a minute. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of rotation they settle into. Uh, I think we see a lot of Cam Brown. I think we see we do see you know that even split with Farmer and Parsons, kind of like what we've seen uh, up to this point. So be be an interesting challenge for them, no doubt, because they're going to get run at and they're going to run at a lot. I think a big uh, storyline coming into the season that that we, a lot of us have discussed was you probably had a few goals getting to the Ohio State game at week number five last weekend of September. You want to be four zero. You want to be as healthy as possible, and you want to have some answers at linebacker because you can't afford not to against the Buckeyes offense. Um, I think they're getting there, but it's still such a distribution. Um, you wonder, you know, like Franklin has continued to say, they're, they're going to go with the rotation. They're going to go with with that kind of rep distribution until guys seize the starting job and assert themselves as on-questioned starters. I don't know if we're going to get there at any of these positions anytime soon, but another opportunity for guys to flash against Illinois. And Something just tells me, and you could say this every game, I just get a feeling that this is going to be a, a moment on Friday night for Micah Parsons. Yeah, I think the potential is certainly there. I mean, you, you're going to see a lot of running at him, I think, and you know whether or not he's he, he's fully adjusted to linebacker, sort of irrelevant because he's he's the type that can make that up with his athleticism and and sort of make some plays. So I don't think we see him unleashed as a pass rusher. I don't know that Illinois is going to have to be in a situation where they you know constantly throw the ball and he's going to be going after them but you know we'll see we'll see I think Penn State can can afford to, to rush with four especially with the way Sharif Miller and Ito Gross Matos are playing uh, by the way we didn't even mention Shane Simmons back at practice this week that's a big deal um, not sure that he's ready to go not sure that he'll be on the travel roster but just getting another body back at defensive end is big and uh, on that same note Tommy Stevens we talked a little bit about him uh, earlier in the week but he's he's coming back he's got an opportunity to to play and I think you got to get him some snaps if if not at the lion position but he just as a uh, typical quarterback yeah we gotta say I mean Penn State is going into week four really healthier than they were in week one and, and they're on beat that. that's important uh <laughs> what's that why would you say that everyone's uh, gonna hate you now oh, well, you, you've mentioned Simmons but you know shorter got in for those late snaps I know we haven't talked about it too much but but he was involved in the game last Saturday Tommy Stevens. I just think, you know, it's exactly where you want to be. And, of course, now when we recap this game, we'll be talking about the bloodbath of injuries, and we can all pin that on me. But for the time being, I think they're in a very good spot through three weeks of action to be 3-0 and and healthy and have kind of some reinforcements suddenly coming to add some new dynamics, add some new things to film uh, just in time for, for the heart of their of, of what's going to determine what kind of team this is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Illinois – um, it's going to try and throw some different things at Penn State, uh, trick plays, onside kicks. You know, Penn State over two um, fielding onside kicks so far this year. Um, so that's certainly that that's got to be something that they're ready for. They could play two quarterbacks if Bush is back. Um, so so you're, you're going to see a lot of uh, you know just 
a lot of makeup from Illinois, a lot of trying to, 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 to narrow that talent gap just by catching people off guard and things like that. So um, that's something Penn State has to be available or excuse me, has to be aware of um, winning the turnover battle. We talked about this a little bit. Um, Penn or Illinois has seven takeaways in three games, six of them interceptions. And I just think, you know, if, if you're Penn State, just throw the hell out of the ball. I mean, it, this is not a good secondary. This is a team that's given up a lot of, of yards through the air, six passing touchdowns against, you know, not typical passing teams. So just just throw it deep. I think it can be a big week for Juwan Johnson. I think you can get the ball down the field to Hamler and Tompkins as well. Um, so I think uh, I think you're going to see some numbers from Trace McSorley this week. Hey, and I respect what, what Nate Hobbs and Bennett Williams did last year as freshmen. Mentioned them earlier in the show. Uh, they were starters at defensive back. They were all-conference performer among freshmen. But I don't think they make uh, up the gap in what Penn State presents on the perimeter, uh, in the slot, and, and then throw in the fact that Miles Sanders has been everything you need him to be when he's available. Um, so I, I think right now, you know, why not give K.J. Hamler some shots, uh, Tompkins, Polk, send them deep, open things up. And, and I think the best thing Penn State can do here is, I mean, and this is obvious, but really just bury Illinois early. Put this thing to bed. Uh, you know, I just don't see Illinois being a team, and maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't see them in position to be a team that battles back from that kind of early hole in their development as a program right now. There's some teams on the schedule that could do that against Penn State, just come out of an early hole like that. Illinois, to me, isn't one of them. So I'm with you. You know, Release the onslaught early. See where you're at into the second quarter. And you could be in a really good position to, to get these guys valuable rest as, as Ohio State comes up. Yeah, score a lot of points early. You are you get you do have your coaching hat on this week. That's good to see. Um, yeah. Travel roster now at seventy four. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, you, you've got some freshmen that are probably going to go with a chance to earn some game time. James Franklin offered some insight on this earlier this week. Uh, we talked a little about Justin Shorter. I think he can get in there and, and do some things. I don't think that red shirt is is really looming for him as much as it could be for a guy like Jason Awe or Nick. Tar Burton, who's who's probably not going to be on the travel roster, but uh, you've got uh, Shorter, Awe, Ricky Slade. Um, you know they, they they gave him the ball a little bit last week. I think you know probably a little bit in the doghouse after the fumbles against Pitt, but you'll have that. And then Trent Gordon, I think, is kind of a wild card. They played him on special teams this week or last week, which you know w- w- was interesting to me because you've got these some of these freshmen, you know, like Luketta, who who is playing on special teams, who you're you're I guess all in on on green lighting them. But Trent Gordon is one of those guys that can impact on special teams. And, you know, you may need him at some point at corner. So I think he's kind of on that uh, yellow list that could potentially be a green. And, and it would probably be a little bit unexpected. Yeah, this is crunch time for these freshmen. Uh, you know, with, as Penn State continues to evaluate who's going to get that green light and, and who's going to get the red light and ultimately be saved for the end of the year and get some more experience in different spots. I think a lot of eyes are going to be on Jason Oa uh, after two sacks against Kent State. Uh, we heard it from Franklin just how much of a physical freak. We already knew it, but he added some some new context uh, to that this week, saying that Jason Oa among uh, freshmen who camped at Penn State as recruits coming in, uh, ran the fastest 40-yard dash among that group. He's six foot five, 247, also had the, the, the best leap, vertical leap. Uh, th- those are all out the roof. The thing with him is was how quick could he develop as a defensive end from a fundamental standpoint. We're still learning that. But I think if he's able to go out there, flash once or twice against Illinois in his first Big Ten game, it's going to be really hard for Penn State to apply a redshirt to him this year just because of what he can bring them, even in a situational role. Uh, whereas Nick Tarburton, it's very clear, they, they plan on you know keeping him held back, at least for the time being, 
and, and maybe taking a closer look at him in November. Yeah, Tarburton doesn't really give the splash that Awe could. Um, so I think that, that that's something to take into account there. 15 true freshmen have played, by the way. I'm curious to see where that number lands in terms of guys that, that will actually redshirt. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it's crazy to think how this rule um, has impacted things. And I was reading something from, from Jalen Berger from uh, uh, 2020 kid in, in uh, Jersey. And uh, he was talking about, hey, this is something that I'm really looking at is – can I play right away? And I'm just thinking to myself, and there was a mailbag question about this, I think two weeks ago, everybody can play you right away. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's, it, it completely changes the dynamic of what you can sell. And he was talking to Sean Brown from our Rutgers site. And, you know, that's one of the schools that's probably going to hurt because yeah, he can play at Rutgers and he would be a green light at Rutgers. He could be a, he could be a yellow two green light at Penn state. Um, and it, it really wouldn't impact his probably wouldn't impact his career all that much. Yeah, I think that's probably the most commonly broken promise on the recruiting trail when you look at recent memory is, you know, you're going to get reps as a freshman. We're going to find a way to get you on the field. And you get the player on campus and you say, we need to redshirt this guy. I know what we told him on the recruiting trail. Now you can say it in earnest because why wouldn't you take a look or find a place in a game at some point during the season to get a look at a guy, see what he's all about, give yourself an opportunity to evaluate, give him an opportunity to impress and learn during the course of game action. Uh, you know, and, and Sean Clifford this week talking about it, how difficult it was at times last year, going from being the star of your hometown squad in high school to being a backup buried on the depth chart, knowing that you're not going to play that weekend because the plan is for you to redshirt. At least this, you know, getting this experience against Kent State for some of these guys, that's the kind of positive forward momentum that can push you through that proverbial freshman wall and help you break through that and continue to gain, whereas some guys would maybe plateau a little bit because they're not seeing the results in-game action. Yeah, and I've seen some arguments online about you know, this could potentially lead to sort of like a free agency type thing as well because you look at the other side. If you don't play, then I think obviously you think you're not in the cards for this uh, this organization, this program or whatnot, and you know you can decide to, to, to look elsewhere. So really curious how this is going to shake out. I know college coaches are, are still learning about things, and, and the people that we talk to, or not sure the the exact way to pull it off, but you know I think it's a learning process. I I do think the rule is going to stick around at least you know another year or two, and then they might reevaluate where things are going. But yeah, it's just crazy how it can change the entire dynamic in, in both directions. Yeah, it'll, and it'll be fun to watch uh, again to, to see who's ready to step up because there were seven players, I believe, that Franklin mentioned in August. You know, leading up to the App State game, these guys are going to get green light. Two of them were specialists, so five guys on offense and defense. It'll be really interesting to see who earns that role because I don't think anyone that he mentioned there has taken a step back. I don't see that status changing in a negative way, but I think there's room for guys to to push and really make Penn State staff evaluate them and say – this guy's a component now. We, yeah. we can't not utilize him. Absolutely, absolutely. A lot of those guys will be looking at Penn State next week. Um, obviously, the whiteout is coming to town, and it's going to be crazy. I mean, uh, we, we're going to post uh, our first list on Friday morning um, on the site. Uh, don't want to get into that too much, um, but yeah, it's it's something, man. I mean, there's there's probably I think. 
25 or 30 kids with offers so far over, across a couple of, uh, of uh, classes, and that does not include the commits. I uh, added Ben Smiley to the list last night, four-star defensive tackle from Virginia. Um, you know, there's four or five-star kids in the 2020 class so far ready to go. I mean, the, the opportunity that Penn State has next weekend, um, you know, especially with w- what we assume college game day will be there, um, the, the atmosphere that, that they're going to have to work with is just going to be a, a special opportunity. Yeah, Sean, I just picture you on Friday putting out the scroll and it just rolling down to the floor with all these names of blue chip prospects. And it's going to be special. And, and you and I have kind of put together a game plan. You can definitely expect a, a lot of feedback from some of these visiting recruits on what they're anticipating from the trip and, and what this trip means to their recruitment early next week. And it's going to be a big week for as much as it's all about Penn State, Ohio State potential top 10 battle that could shape both trajectories for the Big Ten championship game and the playoff and all that. There's also the game within the game. That's the fact that this staff is going to have their hands full with a major, major recruiting event. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, something that we'll get into more next week. Um, and it's, uh, it's it's something that's really been pretty exciting to follow because you think a couple of years back and it's uh, you're, you're, you're talking about that number where I said 25 to 30 being 5 to 10. And that's a huge weekend for, for 2014 or 2015 or something like that. Now it's just they're blowing it out of the water. It's probably going to be the top gathering in the country next week. And uh, for for good for good measure but again we'll talk about that next week it'll be on the site uh, a little bit on friday um but uh this has been the lions 24 7 podcast we're going to move on to illinois we're going to talk uh you know we're going to wrap up illinois we're going to talk recruiting uh, next week but hey man good luck in your wedding I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to turn out as long as they are legally married at the end of the ceremony, I did my job and I can celebrate. So that, that's my main concern. That's smart. That's smart. He's Tyler Donahue. I'm Sean Fitz. Thanks for following along on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hopefully we'll get the right one up this week. And, uh, yes, I guess so. we will come back at you. Uh, who knows? I mean, this, this schedule's got me all messed up. So we'll probably record on Sunday and be back Sunday night or Monday. But thanks for joining us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Okay, I'm perfect you know y'all already know what it is and if you don't know then the great many fresh will enlighten